Hello. Hey, Carolyn. We're going live. Welcome to Take Two Radio. We are pleased to bring you interviews with people in the entertainment and music industry, discussions and recaps of the four remaining daytime soaps, that's The Bold and the Beautiful, The Young and the Restless, General Hospital, and Days of Our Lives, as well as various other shows. For upcoming and previous shows, check Take2Radio.com, that's with the number two, and you can find us on Blog Talk Radio, iHeartRadio, iTunes, and other streaming apps. Follow us on social media at Take2Radio, and thanks for listening. Good evening, good evening, good evening, and welcome to a very special edition of Take Two Radio Soaps. This is one of our off weeks, but if you listened to the show last week with Leon, and I know you all did, we have a very special guest with us this evening. But first and foremost, I'm Anthony. I'm going to run the show tonight because Pam has some previous commitments because it is a off week. I am joined, of course, by the wonderful David. Yeah, David. Uh, hello, everybody. <laughs> and our Days of Our Lives Salem Queen, Carolyn. Hey, Carolyn. Hi, Anthony. Hi, David. How's it going? <laughs> Candace, our candy First girl, note. also had a previous commitment. So we are very pleased to bring you an interview with Bruce L. Hart. Not to be, con- not to be confused with the wrestling Bruce Hart. Bruce L. who those of you who have watched Old Dogs and New Tricks, know rather intimately, so to speak. Bruce, welcome, welcome, welcome. <laughs> I'm so excited to be here. And, you know, it's true. I used to just be Bruce Hart, and then I took some time off from the union, and when I came back to the union, they said, oh, there's another Bruce Hart. It's like that Twilight Zone episode where people get replaced by duplicates, and it was the right Mm -hmm. word, so I had to be Bruce L. Hart, which actually I like a little better anyway. (laughs) It is a little bit of a Yeah, and people (laughs) always think I'm related to him, and I'm like, no, no, I wouldn't be related to him and have the same name. But, you know, people are just weird, right? (laughs) Absolutely. But I am a child of the 80s, so I do remember him rather um, intimately, so to speak. (laughs) Oh, yeah? (laughs) (laughs) So last week we spoke with one of your friends and former co-workers. Mm. We spoke with Leon, and I actually had a conversation with him the other day and told him you were coming on the show and he had nothing but glowing things to say about your professionalism. You know not only your lines, but everybody else's lines on set, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> so let's dive, right, let's dive right into old dogs. I hear, and I don't know you, but I'm glad to be getting to know you, I hear you are absolutely nothing like that fabulous character we see on screen. Uh, no, not much. You know, it's funny when um, Leon suggested I might be able to do this part. I was thrilled. And I was originally going to play it a different way, but he and the producers really wanted this other type of 
genre. And so I said, oh, so it's kind of like those old 60s sitcoms where there's that one person that's very unpleasant, it's usually a woman, um, who shows up and causes a lot of problems, but people still sort of love to hate them. They're like, yes, exactly. So at that point, I kind of knew how I was going to play it. And frankly, let's face it, there are people like Nelson Van Eddy out there in the real world. So I just, you know, borrowed a few things. I'm not going to name names. And um, thus, you know, there there we had Nelson. I, I, speaking of Leon, I just need to say I, I just adore Leon. We're good friends. Um, we have very similar views on things. And he, like me, is a doer. You know, we like to do stuff. We always want to be busy. So I'm, I'm thrilled he feels the same way about me. <laughs> <laughs> well, he does. And, I mean, we did actually get into the Nelson and Nathan relationship. Um, and, mm-hmm. and Leon's been here quite a few times. And, you know, there has to be a relation. There has to be that kind of relationship in that kind of, you know, sitcom kind of format. You know, and you did sure. the perfect, you know, Gladys Kravitz to, you know, to his Nathan, <laughs> you know, and well, some, you. we were talking about it, you're welcome, we were talking about it last week that some of the greatest um, Nelson, Nathan moments were the dream sequences where you could go uh, yeah. a little bit further into the camp, you could go a little bit further into the outrageous, and then pull back, and it was what one of the characters was dreaming about, or fantasizing about, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. What, yeah, what's yeah. the funnest part? No, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. No, I'm just saying, yeah. I was going to say, what's <laughs> the funnest part of that relationship for you? You know, I really like the fact that Nelson is always prepared. He's nothing like me in real life. And frankly, there's nothing that I'm doing in the show that isn't in the script. I, you know, I owe it all to the, the script writers. Let's, let's face it. I'm not improving. I'm not doing anything. It's, it's already all there. I think – the appeal for me in playing Nelson is just that he's always prepared. He's kind of like maybe an alter ego that I wish I had. I mean, his hair, what little mm-hmm. he has, always looks perfect. His clothes look perfect. He always has the perfect comeback. That is not me in real life <laughs> at all. And um, I I know uh, some people that have met me after seeing the show are always kind of surprised because I'm, I'm sort of soft-spoken, you know? Maybe I'm raising my voice a little on this this interview just so I can be heard through a cell phone over the radio. But I, in real life, I am not like that. And sometimes when I'll go out on a live interview for an acting job, if they've seen something like on the order of, of Nelson, they're always a little surprised when I walk in and I'm not just on playing that character because, you know, he's just – one one character, you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. I, I, I have to tell you about about the the, the fights it, um, that we had, the fantasy fights. When we first talked about it, I didn't really quite understand. I didn't envision it at all because you know it's coming out of uh, Leon's head, right? But once we did the first one, I realized just how freeing and how fun it was to do this. It's it again. It's kind of evocative of a throwback, and I. In my entire life, I don't think I ever could have gotten to do something this wonderful. Those, those fights are, are pure gold for me. I mean, I'll look back on that forever as something in my acting career that I just adore doing. That's that's really nice to hear. And he says he says similar things, you know. And for I'm I'm in the community, and for those of us, you know, that were watching it, I think 
I, I've often said this to people that I was describing the show to and talking about it with, and like I said, you know, Lance been on a few times, so that comes up often. Um, he Nelson is what I think a lot of us wished Beverly Leslie of Will and Grace could have been. Oh, it came close, yeah. you know, but the man woman thing, of course, you know, gave it a little bit of a, but also it was network TV and he couldn't, Beverly Leslie couldn't quite be Nelson. You know, I've met him. He's also not liked that character in person. He's super nice. I ran into him at a Starbucks and I'm not one to gush. So I was real careful not to go, Oh, Hey, whoa, hi. you know, but I did say, I really enjoy your work. And he was nice. He asked me to sit down for a minute and that was nice. Um, I agree. I think that you're, it's more freeing when you're on a, a streaming format and not safe for work format, so to speak. Network is different. And also, don't forget, in um, Will and Grace, they're trying to please everybody um, yeah. because they've got advertisers. They've got Middle America watching this. I, I want to talk about something for a minute, if you don't mind. Um, the extremity of Nelson and even his Nellie characters as, as they are. I would never play this role in a mainstream show where all the other characters were heterosexual and he was kind of a, a source of laughs for the uh, heterosexual people to look at and laugh. The reason why I love this character is he's representing a piece of the LGBT community within all these other characters that we have on that show. So you've got representation of everything so and also he's yes. not a loser or a failure. He's super successful. So I can relate to all of that, and and, and that's what made me do it. I've been offered uh, knockoff roles of similar ilk, and I haven't taken them for that very reason because he's not a clown for the amusement of mainstream, in my opinion. There, absolutely. That was political, you know, I. <laughs> <laughs> I I absolutely I absolutely love Will and Grace for for some of the things that that they've done and some of the boundaries that they did end up pushing. But you know, it took Will eight or nine seasons to get a boyfriend, and everybody knows a Jack, but not really that much of a Jack. Jack was a character a character of of a stereo you know of a form in the community. You know, and then you have the other show that's on ABC, and, you know, those two men, they never touch each other. The one that is the yeah, man-looking one is, you know, nellied out as much as possible, I think, just to, to, accept, to get middle America to accept the gay relationship on the show, but they never even touch yeah. each other. I know. It's it's really a shame we haven't gotten very far. I actually saw a play. Now, I live in Long Beach, California, you know, which is actually a fairly liberal, uh, diverse community. I went and saw a play at the Equity Theater here. I can't remember the name of the show, but it had a, a heterosexual couple and a gay couple in it. And um, a lot of tomfoolery happens. And then there's a happy ending at the end when everybody, you know, makes up. Well, the heterosexual couple kiss, hug, kiss, all that. The gay couple just pats each other on the back. I'm like, I am sure that isn't how it was in the script. So, uh, you know me, right? Uh, ordinarily, well, actually, you don't know me. Ordinarily, I don't make a wave, but I saw the director, and I went up to him, and I said, what's up with that? And he said to me, well, you know, we need to sell tickets, Bruce. I'm like, oh, okay. You know, hmm, now I know. Yeah, the ceiling's been raised, but it hasn't been shattered yet. So correct, I correct. How, how true. 
<laughs> I want to ask one more old dog tricks, and then I'm going to ask a couple of questions that Pam usually likes to ask, and then I will turn it over to the co-hosts. Um, where, where do you think Nelson is right now? I'm sorry? Where do you what think you Nelson think? would be right now? Uh, in terms of his politics or sheltering in place or, or both, all of the above? Both of you. Yeah, all the above. Okay. I don't think Nelson is a Republican, if that's um, where we're going with this. Um, I don't think he's an idiot. I think he doesn't suffer fools gladly, and um, I, I, I think that um, he probably is on the side of, of, of being a liberal with conservative fiscal values. I believe he probably lives in a house much like the one I filmed another movie in, which is available for movies. It's in Malibu. And he's probably sheltering in place with, you know, a, a major domo and maybe a houseboy, somebody to run out and go <laughs> shopping so he can stay home. Kind of like me, actually. I just placed my grocery order, by the way, and they keep sending me texts saying, oh, we're going to be at your house soon. I'm like, I'm doing a radio interview. And they said, are you famous? And I said, not yet. <laughs> <laughs> That's where I so think Pam Nelson is. Are, I don't think he would be doing, doing any Zoom conferences, though. Not not Nelson. <laughs> no, no. He'd be holding himself in reserve. Uh, he might be creeping, though, on the Zoom. Kind of taking a look to see what everybody else is doing. <laughs> Nelson also needs to be well-groomed, and if he can't go get his hair styled and fluffed up and all the other things, he's, he's not going to go on camera, right? <laughs> yeah, good point. So, Pam, our showrunner, always likes to begin with, tell us how you got into acting, when you got bit with the bug, and what, you know, what oh, the process is like for yeah. you. It's kind of a long, boring story, so I'll, I'll, I, I've done an interview, a print interview about this, which actually helped me sort it all out in my head. So, let me just start at the very beginning. I grew up in uh, Michigan, a little town called Midland, Michigan, home of Dow Chemical. And while Dow was poisoning its residents, um, it decided to make that up to them by giving them massive funding for arts. I'm sort of being facetious about the poisoning. I don't think that was really going on. But we had a beautiful theater. We had theater available for kids, teenagers, um, adults, um, just massive dollars. So everybody could participate, a music program. And this is all free, too. So, you know. If your parents had a herd like mine did, we had five kids, they could get you involved in that, and then, you know, you're done. <laughs> um, so I, I did that. Um, I did some theater in junior high school, which is seventh through ninth where I went, and then in high school. And then I kind of just said, eh, I don't know if I want to do this. So I went to college ostensibly to get a theater major, but I started doing other stuff like advertising. I did a few plays in, in college, but nothing really to write home about, and then I had a friend living in California who, after I graduated, asked me if I wanted to come out there for a bit. So I just came out. And um, I hadn't really thought anymore about acting. I know that sounds weird, but I hadn't. So I'm there, and I had an opportunity to do some extra work just to make some money. You know, extra work in TV right, where you show mm -hmm. up and you don't have any lines. And I landed, up on a, landed on a sitcom, and they decided to upgrade me to a single line. I was dancing with the actress Jamie Lunar. Woohoo! Mm. in my acid wash jeans so I was in all the, the promos the trailers everybody back home thought I was famous and um, 
from there, I just kind of said, you know what, maybe I should take some acting classes. <laughs> I don't really know what the hell I'm doing. <laughs> so I took some really good classes that don't exist anymore. It's all, oh, it's vastly changed. The whole business has changed. But classes that told you how to walk in on camera, where to turn your head. Leanne says I'm very good technically, and I, it's actually true. How to hit your marks on the floor without looking at them. What's your best side? Um, things like that. Um, which were, have proved invaluable uh, to me. And from there, I just, I don't know, I kept going. I, I produced a boatload of theater in Los Angeles. That There was a heyday for theater. Um, it was all gay-themed theater. We were so popular. Our shows sold out. One of them ran for three years, if you can believe that. And um, the one after that was called, what was it called? Naked Deception. <laughs> They all had these titles, you know, to sell tickets. That one, I got <laughs> tapped. But yeah, I'm, I'm probably getting ahead of myself, but a producer gave me money to make it into a movie, which became the movie Homewrecker. So I guess the rest is history. I've just been doing it ever since. Well, kind of a long, boring story, about... right? <laughs> yeah, it's a great story. And, and you led perfectly into Tell Us About Homewreckers. <laughs> Oh, homewrecker. You know, um, we got the money. We're like, my brother is a movie director already, thank God. So he said, well, I'll direct. I'm like, are you sure? He goes, yes. So he really helped a lot with that. But we really didn't know what the hell we were doing. You know, seriously. So I did what I did back when I produced theater. I just started cold calling people if I could get their numbers or emailing them. And I got a hold of Glenn Gaylord, who had been intimately involved with the Eating Out series, and he was so nice. He just he gave me suggestions and guidance about what to do, and um, we shot that thing. And I damn near landed in the hospital because I was producing it and I was in it, you know, and you know, long hours and all that stuff. But um, I, after it was over with, and this is true of a lot of people that produce or, or act. I hated it. I didn't even want to look at it. But then it was on the festival circuit. And when you're at festivals, they expect the actors, the producers, whoever's representing the film to sit front and center when they screen these things. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. So, so, and then you have to get up on stage and answer a whole bunch of questions. And, you know, in, the case, in my case, I'd have to lie because by then I just wanted to scream. Um, but the film just had its 10-year anniversary, and they, they screened a really, really nice uh, restored print in Palm Springs. And I went with some of the actors, my friend Peter, who played my husband, and a couple of the other folks that are still in the business. And I, I got to tell you, the film's funny, and it was so rewarding. We had the right audience. Everybody laughed at everything. You know, People were just – they really enjoyed it, and it just – it kind of made me feel the love for the film again. So – and uh, if I was going to give anybody advice, I would say if you're going to make something, you have to be passionate about it. And I was about that. You have to really want to do it. Don't do anything half-assed, you know. And in the case of Homewrecker, we were done filming it, and we looked at it, and we said, oh, we, the ending isn't working, right, and some of this other stuff isn't working. We had to go back like many big-budget movies and do reshoots to fix it, and I'm so glad we did because – the film plays a lot better now. You know, I was going to ask, and then the conversation kind of went slightly different, but it had its little cult audience, and it had its its really nice little surge. I mean, I love the movie personally. Um, when when you were making it, did you know that it was going to hit the mark the way it hit, and now, you know, 10 years later, you've got to be proud. You've got to be, you know, happy that 
after the drama of being finished with it and almost getting in the hospital, you've got, you have to be proud that it's still a movie that some, those of us from a certain generation know. Yeah. I, yes, actually, I, I am very proud of it. I love the fact that it's found a new audience on streaming. You have to understand something. When we made this film, the streaming platforms really weren't a thing. So we hooked up with a distributor, which was great. We got a distributor right away. But the business model back then was play the festivals, hopefully to get a distributor, but we already had one. So um, the next thing is you try to get what they call the broadcast deal. We're going to have it on television because everything was broadcast back then. So – I think it was the Hear channel that primarily did broadcast. And then after that, then you'd release DVDs so people could watch them at home. Well, in the middle of all of this, the business started to change. Um, uh, broadcast deals went away. We were in the festivals. We, we still did DVDs, which did pretty well. But there was this new thing called streaming. Oh, what's that? I don't know. Or digital download. And to me, I thought, oh, my God, we failed we're not going to be on the here channel, you know, this, this film is just a digital download available. If you, you know, you swipe your credit card or whatever. (laughs) And I realize now we were part of the pioneers. We were not only streaming on Netflix, we were part of the Netflix home video delivery. And actually Mm -hmm. we were pioneers with this film. (laughs) So now I look back on it and I think, yeah, you know, Hey, we were, we were a thing, you know, (laughs) Luck meets passion I, I, meets opportunity meets preparation. Yeah, and I have to tell you, the film was not a hit on the festival circuit. I, I'm not going to rewrite history. A lot of the festivals, it wasn't what they wanted because it was farcical, and many of the festivals where we were in are the kind that want – nothing wrong with these kinds of films, but they wanted more of the coming-out story – the, the pain of being gay, the angst, and all that stuff. We didn't want to do that. I never wanted to do that. I want to tell stories about happy, well-adjusted gays that live in the suburbs that are just like you and me. And they call it heteronormative. Um, mm. I, I've always wanted to see that. And so I finally said, well, if nobody else is going to do it, I'll make these movies. <laughs> well, a lot of us out there wanted to see it too. Before I turn it over to you, the two co-hosts that are here tonight. Tell us about the circuit and the fest. Uh, tell us about the festival circuit now. You are promoting a new film. Yeah, um, and I don't know if you want me to talk about Reveal now or not, but um, I'm in a new film called Reveal, which I just got cast in. I didn't produce it, write it, or do anything. I actually auditioned and got a part. Yeah, I play Uncle Gary. Um, it's playing a lot of festivals. The problem is we're all in shelter in place right now. So some of the festivals have pushed out and said, oh, we're going to do it later. And uh, I just saw one online, Charlotte, North Carolina is just doing it as an online festival. You know, you register, pay to go to the festival, and then you can watch the film. It's a really cute film. Um, I'd like to talk about festivals and streaming for a second, if you don't mind. Um, Festivals have really changed in part because there's less of a need to find a distributor, which is part of what a festival was all about, because everybody can pretty much get their stuff onto platforms. But I think festivals are super important because they are a gathering place for LGBT people, you know? So you can get together, you can see all kinds of films, you can meet other filmmakers. And um, because I'm in a position to do this, at least currently, I donate to a lot of the festivals. I give them money because 
I want them to stay up and running because I feel like the more stuff becomes virtual, we, we lose the human element. Um, and if you want me to talk about streaming platforms for a minute, I'd, I'd love to, or we could do, do that later. I, you know, it's up to you. Go for it. This is your special. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, streaming platforms are changing a lot and not necessarily for the better. So I'm going to be a little bit negative here. Um, First, Netflix closed the video stores, (laughs) which is true. Then they shut down their home delivery. Um, We really only have a few mainstream platforms. We have Hulu, we have Netflix, and we have – what's the other one? Um, Amazon Prime. And they don't do very well by LGBT. They kind of bury the catalog, and they also Mm. don't pay well. Mm -hmm. So it's super hard as a filmmaker to make any money. So that has a ripple effect. And these are, for the most part, union films because then they can't pay the crew and the cast appropriately. So it's this shrinking margin, and more and more people are getting out of the business because of that. Now, we have a bunch of LGBT-specific platforms, and one of my favorites is Gay Binge TV, which I'm currently associated with, that you can get them on your smart TV or if you have Roku. Some of my films are on there. But not all of those platforms are open to all content. So, like, some are more focused on we only want young people or we only want kind of sexual-type content. And the gatekeepers for each one are very different. So you find it really difficult. I found it difficult to get stuff onto platforms uh, myself. So then there's this other thing now. There's a, a middle person you can pay called an aggregator to try to get that stuff on there. But these aggregators want so much money. Half the time you pay the aggregator to get the thing booked on a, a third of the budget of your film. <laughs> you might as well have filed bankruptcy. I'm a pretty good business yeah. person. So I, you know, I, I know how to tap dance around the minefields and um, I, the best catalog though, that you can find for LGBT content, young, old um, indie women's films is on gay binge it's it's just really a, a great platform. Awesome. I, I you know what? I lied. I'm gonna throw in one more question. Throw in one advocacy question because I like your vibe and your attitude. I lost my sight four years ago, so I rely on a service that's called audio description. Um, have you encountered that in, in filmmaking at this point? I know it's a costly service at times, but do you have knowledge audio of it? Audio, Audio description is basically a, a narrator. It's a narrator who speaks what's going on on screen that you can't get through dialogue. No, I've never worked with that. I, there's a rule. You have to have everything closed captioned, which I do. And um, Yes, no, and you that, don't have to have it audio described. So only about a third of content that's out there and very little of it LGBT is audio described. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm an well, advocate. And so whenever I have someone who's passionate, I bring it up and hope that they will mm-hmm. then pass the message along as well. That means if you're not cited, then you can at least still enjoy the, the program, right? Yeah. It will say, you know, so-and-so walked in the room carrying such and such, you know, and oh. then the dialogue may reference it. And then you're sitting there trying to figure out, well, what are they holding? Is it a boss? Is it a pitcher mm-hmm. of water? I don't understand. Oh, it just broke. Okay. It doesn't really matter. Um, you know, and you're oh, wow. trying to fill in the blanks. And, and if you do go on Netflix or the bigger streaming ones, about 90% mm-hmm. of the content on there is, is audio described. 
just turn it on wow. for one show or one movie and see okay. a lot of my sighted friends and family will say, wow, you know what? I didn't even catch that. And then they'll rewind and it's like, you know, because the audio describer is giving us the things we need to know to, to follow the plot of the movie or show. Can I tell you a, a so, secret about all movies? Yeah. Sure. I hope I had to step outside because the grocery person is here. I'm just going to multitask. <laughs> My family. Um, it is a reality in all motion pictures, including major motion picture releases, that you can't get good sound. I'm just talking about dialogue and all of that. And um, a whole lot of it, including every movie I've ever been in, gets re-recorded in the uh, sound studio, which is really awful to do because sometimes it can destroy a performance, you know? Hold on one mm-hmm. second, please. Sure. Yes. Sorry about that, guys. I'm having a grocery delivery for anyone who's listening. Life in L.A., you Instacart. know. <laughs> it is Instacart. Very good. Yeah, my, my new best friend. Very it's the best friend of blind people for a long time. <laughs> So, just take it to the second floor, unit 203, please. You hear it here, <laughs> first, folks. Real life meets I'm, I'm show production. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's funny. I was ordering groceries today. I know this is unrelated, but it kind of sheltering in place, right? And Danny would probably have his assistant do it, but I called my brother, who's, you know, nearby, and I said, do you need anything? So, you see this huge list. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> Happy to help out a brother, though. He's done so much for me over the years, you know, in terms of helping with things. So, yeah, that's an interesting. If Maybe you could, after the call, shoot me that information about yeah, the sound. Yeah, I sure will. Yeah. I sure will. Thank you so much. I am going to turn it over to David. Hey. Hey. Hey, Bruce. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you doing? Really, really good today. I got in my exercise. Got, got, my groceries are being delivered. Did, you <laughs> yeah. did you get a bottle of wine? <laughs> oh, that, of wine the bar too? is well stocked. <laughs> yeah. oh, good. I have a yeah, couple I questions for you. Go ahead. Sure. Um, in the reveal... So, um, who would you say is patterned after Uncle Gary, for those who have not seen it yet? Can you ask that question one more time, please? I'm so sorry. Uncle Gary is a guy who doesn't realize, Uncle Gary doesn't know he's, he's out yet. It doesn't realize he's gay. So, he's kind of like bubbly and fun and all of this and, uh, the two main characters who are gay are like, your uncle's gay. He goes, yeah, but I don't think he realizes it. Um, it's it's a really uh, fun char- character to play. He's humorous. He's poignant. And um, it was the kind of role I was looking for, you know, when I was uh, auditioning for things. So it was kind of like uh, a new opportunity for me to play something else. So he's kind of like a nicer version of um, uh, Nelson, I think. In a sense, not nearly as officious. <laughs> hey, can I tell you something Nothing about filming that movie? Yeah, I, I got onto the set, and I, this is the first time I've worked on a, a show. 
usually there's somebody, you know, the sound person or something like that. I didn't know anybody. And they were all from a Hallmark movie. So they'd all worked on a Hallmark movie recently. And um, it was just amazing to work with these people. A lot of them were younger than me. The way they would just set up light and move. And, you know, the director kind of intimidated me a little bit. I was like, we did a lot of uh, stuff that I like doing, but it's hard, where it's almost choreographed. You walk in, you turn, you do this, you do that, and the camera follows you. And we wrapped one day, and he goes, well, Bruce's big scene is up tomorrow. And it was this particularly complicated piece of choreography. And I, I know he really wasn't thinking this, but I was thinking, oh, the sky is challenging me. So <laughs> I put my phone on speaker in my hotel room, and I called my brother, and I had him read the other lines. <laughs> and I, I rehearsed it for like a couple hours. So we, sh- we started top of the hour the next day, and I nailed the whole thing in one take. <laughs> nice. I would guess that a lot of those people, a lot of the people on the crew probably came from soap operas. Hallmark Channel and soap operas are very in bed together. And the soap soap world moves with clockwork precision. Everybody in that film, for the most part, yeah. We also shot on sets, which was nice. That's not common, you know, sound stages. So that was, it's always better when you're on a set. You know, you don't have to worry about crazy stuff happening next door, you know, or things like that. It's just such a yeah. treat. Very rare. Yeah. So, yeah, Uncle Gary was fun. I have a spot of affection for him. And I need to shout out to Jeff Willie, who wrote this and starred in it as, as one of the, the two lovers in the film. He's so good. You know, he's a lot like me in the sense that he writes, he produces, and he acts. And that's not common. Leon Acord is the same way. That's, that's not the norm. Usually people either write or they direct and film. You know, and when I produce, I don't do any of that. I hire all those people. So it's, it's just interesting to meet a triple threat, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. It is. It is. So let's, let me take you back to Nelson, who I have to say actually cracks me up. So in your opinion, do you think Nathan and Nelson – have a thing for each other? <laughs> I never thought about that. Mm-hmm. Did you ask Leon this question? <laughs> um, let me tell you what I think. I think that they're old friends, kind of like maybe when they were younger in their WeHo days, they had it going on, you know. They probably competed mm. over the same men. That's, you know, we all have friends like that. I, I, I certainly do and did. And I think there's more of that there, you know. Um, there's some people that I, you know, we have sort of a frenemy relationship with even today. Shouldn't do that. But and while we're on that subject, I don't know if you guys broach this when you talk to, to Leon, but the thing I like about old dogs, and you're not going to see that in many other gay productions, is older people are represented. And you see that they're not just parents or grandparents or say, hey, kids, here's the phone, you know, hot date tonight. We actually fight. We have sex. We get jealous. And and that, to me, when I first saw the pilot, you know, that was what resonated with me. And I I contacted Lynn. I didn't even know him. I said, this show is amazing. You have have to do more. And I had no intention of actually being on it. And suddenly I'm on it. So lucky me, right? (laughs) Lucky us. Um, Leon and I I have toyed with the idea of, you know, we're supposed to do a reunion special. We toyed with the idea, excuse me, of a fantasy sequence where 
the two of us wind up in bed. I don't know if that's going to happen, though. It'd be funny, though. (laughs) Many, many, many of us would love to see that. (laughs) Yeah, we would have. We would. You know, it's interesting. No one in my family except for my brother has ever seen the show. I don't know what that tells you, but... Um, I, I certainly made it. Certainly made it available. <laughs> um, my aunt, um, who's ninety, oh gosh, she's ninety four, ninety seven. My mom's older sister. My mother's passed, but um, she's always had a real interest in what both my brother and I do. And um, she actually thought I married Greg Luganus because remember I got married to him on the show. <laughs> and she sent me a note. Oh, that's wonderful. What do you want for a gift? And I'm like, no, we didn't really get married. <laughs> Uh, he got he got married three times that year. He married me. Then he got married on um what's that show? The one with all the guys. I don't remember. Entourage. And then he got married for real to Johnny, but I married him first. <laughs> <laughs> don't you forget oh, it. Thanks so much. Thanks so much. All what? right, Carolyn. <laughs> hello, hello. <laughs> Hi. Hi. Hi, Bruce. How are you? I'm I'm the only female tonight. Goodness. <laughs> Woohoo! Well, we need diversity yeah, yeah. here, right? <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. <laughs> well, so far uh, it's been very interesting. I have uh, my questions are uh, going to be a little different, um, but I first want to say if you're um, going to be writing or directing or producing or anything about a film. My nephew is with the RCMP in Canada, and he represented the um, gay community in Amsterdam uh, two Ooh. years ago. And that was wow. quite, quite an undertaking, <laughs> if you know anything. I can only imagine. Yes, yes. Um, anyways, he's quite a special man. So I just wanted to put that in there. And oh, I that's amazing. You know, yeah. <laughs> he's, I, uh, I was talking to him yesterday, and I said, oh, you've got to look up the, the movie. So he said, oh, that's cool. That's really cool. So well, I gave him your, like your bio. Network. Yeah. Please do. I'd yeah. love to network. You know, that was on my list this year for travel, but we had to cancel all our travel plans. And I was all set to push the button and pay for everything when, you know, unfortunately the news of this pandemic came out. And I'm like, you know, I am not going to push that button because, and uh, it turned out it was a wise decision because a lot of folks are not getting refunds, you know, thousands of dollars to travel. Yeah. Yeah. So depressing, you know. I've watched so much stuff on television since we've been sheltered in place, as it were. (laughs) (laughs) Good, bad. (laughs) I really like old 70s TV movies, and I post about them a lot on uh, Facebook. And um, so I do that. And then last night I watched a movie called Vigilante, um, starring oh, my friend Rutanya Alda from – oh, she's in Old Dogs too, right? Yeah, she's uh, – right, mm-hmm. I love her. And so she told me a lot about Vigilante when we were working together. So I'm like, I'm going to watch it. And then she privated me and told me some more stuff after. It's just uh, – if I could have a career like hers – She's done everything, big stream, mainstream things, eclectic movies. You know, she's done old dogs. She's just, and she was just on, um, oh, what's that show? Law and Order SVU. So, I mean, quite a, quite an amazing lady. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, you were talking about festivals, and that's that's a real big hit with this uh, pandemic. I uh, I love festivals. I do the Christian Film Festival here in Clearwater, uh, Women in Film, um, a lot. So a lot has been canceled. It's it's sad. It's sad. Oh, it's terrible, you know. And yeah. I am trying, like I said, to send donations wherever I can. I, you know, I, right. I'm obviously, as you can tell, an optimistic person. I have extreme optimism that we will prevail over this virus and all the other things that are preventing us from getting good information. <laughs> if yeah. you know what I mean, and I think you do. <laughs> we do. <laughs> Well, my first question Orange is, Muppet is, with is, a bad comb over. So. <laughs> uh, Van, Vanderhart Productions started in 1999, correct? It did. How'd you know that? <laughs> oh. <laughs> I want to know where the where the name came from. Of course, your name, Hart, is in there. Uh, mm-hmm. And what changes um, with yourself and the industry have been made since then? Oh, my God, it's so different. Um, Vanderhart Productions was formed with my friend Paul Vanderroost. Um, and we're still friends. We wrote and produced a lot of theater in L.A. And I think I mentioned that earlier. It was some theater, but I didn't mention him. And then he decided he wanted to go off, and he did a very successful stint of murder mystery dinner theaters. And I, I helped out oh. with it, but that was his company that he did with his husband. And then when we were working on Homewrecker, my brother kind of picked up the thread and we said, well, we'll just keep it Vanderhart. But my brother is now my uh, producing partner. Um, If I were to say anything, producing theater back in the day was so much fun. And it's not like that anymore in L.A. Hardly anybody does this 99-seat waiver theater because the unions changed a lot of the rules. Um, There was a time, though, when you could go down the street, down the street where all the theaters were, and everybody knew everybody. And if you had a hit show, you know, we bopped back and forth between them. You know, Del Shore, you know, Del Shore sorted lives, right? He had a show running, mm-hmm. uh, Southern Baptist Sissies. It was really, I call those the Camelot days. And our last show, it was so popular, we made so much money. It was just impossible not to make any money. That was Naked Deception that became Homewrecker. Um, I would say what has changed in terms of a business person particularly now that I'm only producing films, is that you have to measure the cost versus the outcome. It is uh, so much harder to make a film because you've got, like, I don't want to trash these, but there's television movies that are being made that are being made on a shoestring. It all goes back to the union, and I'm, I'm jumping around, but let me just tell you what the problem is. The union allowed something called SAG New Media. It was a great Uh-oh. thing at first. It was, like, it was like equity waiver, you know. Oh, you can do a 99-seat yeah. show, you know, and everybody will work for peanuts. Well, mm. in SAG New Media, it was intended for, you know, indie filmmakers. But because they didn't change the rules, big corporations are now saying, oh, well, okay, you know, I own this big streaming platform. I'm not going to name any names. So yeah, this so new good. series with this big movie star in it, the movie star is going to get 600000 an episode. I'm not kidding you. And you, well, you, we're hiring you. You can be a guest star or a co-star. You will keep your, your billing, but your, your rate is 150 a day well, because it's streaming. It's not broadcast. And um, well, that has been the undoing of the industry. <laughs> so well, I don't know if that's going to change or not. Yeah. 
Did that answer well, your question? It may, it may have to. It may have to. I'm I'm finding with this virus, some things are uh, for the for the best. So you never know. You never know. I think we are going to get up. Ended, you know. But by the way, real quick, while I'm on talking about theater, my friend Terry Ray and Mel England, they have a show running in Palm Springs. I think it's on hold right now, but it's been running forever called Electricity. And it's very much like the gay version of Same Time Next Year. It's really phenomenal. And I just, Terry's the producer. I cannot say enough nice things about Terry. He's just, he's still out there producing now. You know, he's working on stuff, even though, you know, we're all kind of stuck in our homes. Hmm. Mm. Oh, well, I love that you're, um, you're, you're just getting it all out there. That's, that's, that's what needs to be done. I am obsessed. I am obsessed with people that create and talented people. And sometimes I think it's a little off putting because I I always want to know everything, you know, how did you make that? that?" (laughs) Sometimes at the festivals, I think I I didn't make friends because of it. They're like, ugh. The guy's weird, but I'm like, no, I, how did you make that thing happen over here? And it's the people that can relate to me that I end up being fast friends with like Leon, you know, we, we share stuff and that's not always true of all, all folks in this business. So when you find somebody like that, you'll hold on to them, you know, be, be good friends with them. For sure. For sure. Uh, My next question is, um, are there areas uh, of distribution and guidelines different for your film? Well, I let me just put it this way. When you make a film, it has to conform to certain standards. It has to pass a sound che- a test and a file test. You have to have closed captions. Um, the thing that I see happening, which I don't like, and I'm going to – specifically talk about LGBT, although I do produce mainstream stuff too, um, is that it's harder to get your content on a platform unless it's specific to that platform. Okay. So in, in my case, I produce, my stories are just like feature films, you know, um, and they often have older actors in them because that's just what I do. You know, I want to employ older actors like me. Um, <laughs> some of them won't take the films. And the irony of this is there's a ton of people out there, boomers, that have money to spend. I want to watch this stuff. Um, mm-hmm. I was lamenting, lamenting this to my brother, all, and my brother right, said to me. We're all, we're, yeah, we're all people. We all have all the same emotions. We have all the same yeah. problems. I mean, I, 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 don't, I don't understand. But <laughs> it's just, it's just an unfortunate aspect of ageism. My brother said to me, Bruce, you're not making films to impress your friends and family. You are right. trying to reach strangers. You're trying to reach the yeah. greater. And he said, and, and it's true. I found out Homewrecker was the screening one night at a, at a uh, don't, don't laugh, at a senior home. <laughs> that was their big <laughs> night. And if I could have, I would have hopped on a plane and gone out there just, just to, to add a little cachet to it. But isn't that cool? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Their movie night, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I'm a senior. I'm 75, and I just I'm I'm open to anything. Open to anything so. except dying from that virus, right? Uh, well, <laughs> you know, I don't I don't think I don't think we have a choice. And all these people that are so afraid and whatever, we're all heading for the same place. I mean, we are we all are yeah. going to die. There's nothing to be we nothing are. to fear. 
Nothing to fear. No, I I was just stunned when I heard some senior officials saying things like, well, you know, you know, the, the seniors are expendable. I'm like, uh, I don't think so. You know, oh. I know my dad passed at 97 and he had a wonderful life right up to almost the last couple of weeks. You know, that's what it should be. Well, it's shining you know, a light on the, uh, the, the nursing homes and the, the assisted living. I'm in, I'm in Florida and don't even get me started because it's, <laughs> it, it's horrible. It's like walking into a petri sure. dish in these places and it should uh, be, I don't know, you know, they need to go out in the sun. They're isolated. I mean, and I'm saying to people now, you know, you, I know people that have never visited their elderly in a nursing home. Never. Mm-hmm. Go near it. Aww, so I said, that's know, terrible. The, yeah, the shoes are, yeah. Well, of course it's, ter- it's terrible. So now you know what it's been like for them being isolated. So it's a wake-up call. It's a wake-up call. You know, you're right. <laughs> so yeah. I live in a yeah. condo. I don't live in a house. I live in a condo. And um, when and if this is lifted, I think I'm going to buy a house. I just realized I have no green space. You know, I have, there's 30 condos in my building. All I have is outside areas that are shared and touched by 29 other units. I'm thinking, I like my neighbors, but, you know. Yeah, as human beings, we need the interaction. And I'm I'm yeah. glad that there's a, a light being shone on um, on the elderly because <laughs> I'm one of those. Very much, very Indeed. much so. Uh, you know, when my folks were alive, I have a caller. I think oh, you have, have a caller Bruce. online. Are you ready? Are you sure. ready? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay, caller. Uh, you can't believe a word that man says. No, wait. Is this? <laughs> Is that Bruce or oh Nelson? Oh, my God, is it Nathan? Hey, you guys. hear your voice, Leon. Oh, my God. Hey. Oh. How are you, Bruce? It's funny. Bruce and, I chat, Bruce and I chat online all the time, but we never talk on the phone. So it's like, oh, my God, that's a no. <laughs> Yes, it's good to hear your voice, Leon. Oh, my God. Hey, while Leon's on the phone, I know he already did an interview, so he only gets a little bit of time. But remember, he's got a new book out called Sub Celebrity. Oh. And it's amazing. I read it. I got a, I got a first look at it. It's just a, truly, and it's on Kindle. It's electronically available. So anybody who's listening that wants to read a little bit of the inside, and there's some real inside dirt um, on Hollywood, you should look up <laughs> Sub Celebrity. Okay, well, I'm done. I'll talk to you guys later. And uh, <laughs> that's, enough of, that's enough of that, Bruce. That's enough. We're talking about Bruce Hart, Bruce L. Hart. I just want to, I, I, I just want to say, I want to um, just want to sing his phrases, if I can, for a minute. Bruce Hart, our director and producer, Arvind Batista, always talks well, Always talks about how Bruce is his favorite actor to work to work with, and I think he's probably mine too because he's always he's like Joan Crawford. He's always prepared. He knows his lines and your <laughs> lines and their lines, and he's got this uncanny knowledge of lenses and angles and how to cheat a shot and like all the technical language for. Well, I just show up and I like it's like okay, the camera's there. Okay, I don't want to remember that again. Bruce is Bruce is great to work oh, with. Oh, Oh, Pashaw. <laughs> I love working with you. Um, you're like me. You're very professional. We have different ways of working, obviously, but um, no, totally. it's just, you know, we have, you know what, it's interesting, guys, while we're heavily on the phone, sometimes you can have great chemistry while you're filming something, and it doesn't look so great on camera. Or 
you can have lousy chemistry and it looks good on camera. But Leanne and I have both. We have good chemistry and it looks good on camera. And I've never been able to figure that out. It's, it's sort of like the person that looks great on camera but looks different in person. And then mm-hmm. some people just look the same way. I don't, the camera is such a, a weird – I don't view it as my friend, as you know, Leon. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm always very, 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 very careful about everything because I know a slight imbalance of the camera. And you guys have great cinematographers on Old Ducks, but, you know, you can look different and you can look not good. Mm-hmm. And I know people get really irritated by that, but uh, Florence Henderson said it. She said, if the arc light's in the wrong place – and you look haggard, and that's the thing they see. The next time somebody's thinking of hiring you, and they look at your last project, and you don't look so good, they're not going to hire you. So you always want to look mm. your mm. your best. That's a good point. Unless you're playing a drug addict. What was that? <laughs> <laughs> I think if I was playing a drug addict, I'd still want to look good. <laughs> <laughs> You know, Bruce, I think one of the reasons our scenes together work so well is that we, we I think we're both on the same page. We both kind of know, we're both, you know, huge fans of Dynasty and Crystal and Alexis. Oh, yes. And we both, we both mm-hmm. I think, kind of got right away that, oh, this is, that's, that's what this is. And uh, oh, God, so, I didn't I've never had so much fun laughing. Oh, oh, yeah. You know, oh, the slap sequence, Leon. God. I noticed in the blooper reel, you can see it a little bit. I actually was afraid to get slapped. It was scary. Um, well, I, I must confess, I, I, did, I did nip Bruce's nose during one of those slaps, and he, he was a total <laughs> pro. <laughs> uh, it was unintentional, I swear. I didn't mean to. So I'm going <laughs> to tell you something. I'm going to tell you something. When we shot about that season, I had had my teeth be- recapped. Because I saw the first season, and I'm like, it's true. Um, if you have veneers, they still can move out of line. I'm like, I'm looking like, I don't know if you guys know who Terry Thomas was, where he had the big space between his teeth. <laughs> I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm starting to look like Terry Thomas. So I went and <laughs> I had a whole boatload of huge, they look huge to me, but anyway. So that's the season where I introduced the new teeth. <laughs> <laughs> and I almost smashed them out of his head. Well, I mean, I think I was a little worried. <laughs> I'm a pacifist. We, Listen, I'm not. I don't. I don't want pool. to. Uh, oh, go ahead. Well, well. I said we when we did the pool online. fight, Leon terrified me. Yes, go ahead. Oh, I was just to say while we have the two of you online, first and foremost, it was brought up earlier about finding a fantasy sequence of Nathan and Nelson in bed. But I will tell you one better because I'm an idea man, and I just, you know, a lot of people are doing Facebook Lives and a lot of fun stuff. Leon, you're putting out amazing content. What about a Facebook Live with Nathan and Nelson being forced to shelter in place together? Oh, my God. <laughs> you know, yeah, when, this all, when, when this first started <laughs> happening, Bruce and I actually talked about, oh, should we try to do an old dog? But then we were like, oh, God, everyone's under such stress. And, you know, this is like the first right. couple of days. Um, we're, we're talking about maybe doing a Zoom reading of some of the scripts we haven't produced, but I kind of like the idea of doing that. You know, I'm down an for improv. whatever. Yeah. And now that let I me, have my special life that, that removes wrinkles, sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> as soon as I get mine, it's on order. Listen, I, I'm not going to uh, <laughs> steal any more of his uh, spotlight, Bruce. You know I think you're fabulous, and I love talk, uh, Take Two Radio. Thank you, guys. It's uh, great listening Bye, to sweetie. you. And I'll yeah. talk to you later. 
Bye, sweetie. Bye. You guys, now that he hung up, I want to tell you something that I should have mentioned earlier. I, I made another film not too long ago called Open, um, about open relationships, and Leon's in it, and he and I play best friends. Isn't that interesting? Whoa. Oh, we have, I've got to see that. It's cute. Um, same guy from Homewrecker plays my husband, and we have one of the best indie casts. I still can't believe we got everybody like Jason Stewart, Brian Nolan from The Lair is in it. I even go on a date with Ron Jeremy in it. <laughs> <laughs> where is I'm that not screen? kidding you. Um, let me see. Where is it right now? It's on Vimeo. Um, and if you send me an email, I can send you a free link. And it's also on Gay Binge. Oh. And it's going to be on a new platform called Fierce, which I don't know anything about, but apparently it is. So uh, more to come. I loved doing open though. It was really fun working with Leon and doing something different for a change. There's a really funny scene where we're on the dance floor and his character is in an open relationship with Brian. He's married to Brian Nolan, but they're in, you know, they're, they're swingers, whatever, you know? And um, I'm saying, Oh, we're going to try it too. And Leon's like, I don't think that this is going to work out for you. Leon's very funny in that scene. <laughs> of course it doesn't work out. It's a, it's a spectacular disaster, but you know, like I said, it's sort of heteronormative because oh, I don't want to tell you how it ends. Watch it and tell me what you think. <laughs> Absolutely. Sounds good. Sounds good. Will you ever go back to theater? Yeah, sure. Um, if there's ever a opportunity to do it, it just there isn't much. LA is not really much of a theater town. Let me just tell you what the issue is with theater. And it's going to sound bad, but too bad. I'll say it anyway. You have to rehearse it and rehearse it and rehearse it, right? And then you have to keep doing the same thing over and over and over and every night. And um, with a movie, that's not true, you know. Um, you just film it, and then they edit it together, and you hope it's good. But um, you can move on to the next thing. Um, theater can be very exhausting. And um, I live in Long Beach. So all the theater that used to be right. up in, in Los Angeles, it's, it's a schlep, yeah. And there were some yeah. nights where I would just be so tired. I'm like, maybe I'll sleep in my car instead of trying to go home. Um, the answer is yes, with the right circumstances. Leon and I were talking about staging a show, a play that I loved that we produced years ago called Started With a Lie, and it's still really funny. I want him to play one of the leads. And then maybe quote-unquote taping it like they used to, you know, and releasing it as kind of like a taped performance. It wouldn't really be taped, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Uh, and fortunately, that's one, if we did it now or if we did it five years from now, it wouldn't matter because we can get older. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's part of the issue is aging, you know. I mean, it's uh, it does uh, preclude getting certain roles, you know. I had a audition for, and I got the part for a pilot for MTV, and they were just brutal. They said, um, how old are you? The character's supposed to be like 40-ish. 44. And they said, are you 44? At the first audition, I said, I am 44. You know, oh, why, yes, why, yes, I am. So uh, six auditions later, the sixth audition, I walk into the, this is back when they still had you in. Oh, what was her name? The famous casting director was there, and a whole boatload of people in the room. Mary Ellen She goes, I can't remember. Anyway, I read three lines, and they said, okay, you're done, thanks. I said, uh, all right, thanks. And they said, one last question. Are you 44? I'm like, I am. I am 44. 
so I walk out to my car and I literally was crying. I never had that kind of reaction. I'm like, Oh my God, I'm too old. They're not going to cast me. And I'm in the car in the parking garage and my agent calls and he says, you got the part. <laughs> oh, <laughs> wow. Oh, that the show didn't get picked up. We just did the pilot surprise. only, but still, you know, you know, I, this is the thing. Joan Collins said this. She said, you need to lie vehemently about your age. It's nobody's yeah, business did. how old you are. No, she's right, though. You know, I mean, I'm not going to get into the specifics, but some of the parts that I've been cast in, I never would have been cast if, you know, that was the criteria for getting in. Um, I don't look at that when I'm casting for or producing. I look at what the person brings to the project, you know. Right. It's really it how you look. It is. Yeah, it's a number. What did Marilyn Monroe hello, say sooner hello, or later? Hello, hello. Can anybody hello. hear me? Hello. hello. <laughs> there she is. Pam. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Hi. Hello. Bruce, hello. I just called to ask you a couple questions. And oh, please. I've been listening, though, and enjoying the interview. Everybody, I love my co-hosts. They are wonderful. They are professional, and I couldn't be doing this without them. So thank you, everybody. Thank you. So it's just kind of like I'm going to give you a question. It's just like who's your Hollywood crush? Oh, who's my Hollywood crush? Mm -hmm. Could it be from any era or? Yeah. Or does it have to be current? It, it could. Let's put it this way: they could be living or dead. <laughs> okay. Well, you know, um, you're gonna really, you're gonna be surprised, but uh, maybe not. I actually, Greg Louganis. I I was very much charmed by him. He's such a nice man, so intelligent, and he's funny, and he kind of got me. And um, <laughs> he kept making jokes and trying to scare me about the water and the the pool. He goes, "It's really brisk, Bruce. I don't know if you can handle it." I I just really and Greg's married, of course, um, not to me. But um, I that's that way. I would say he's one, and another one. Oh, he's gonna kill me. But uh, Christopher Knight from the Brady Bunch played oh, Peter. Yeah, he's so cute. <laughs> I, I just, I just, I adore him, and he's such a nice man. And you'll be surprised. Um, these are all like from the seventies, but I don't care. I know these people. Danny Bonaducci from the Partridge Family. Yeah, you know, yeah. Is in real life. He's not a jerk at all. He's very pro LGBT. He's handsome. He yeah. works out, and um, just a nice man. Oh, those are all wonderful choices. I, I agree with all of them. And you were married to, to Greg, but on film only. <laughs> yeah, only for three episodes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Better than I none. I remember my birthday. Ah, that's so sweet. I love it. Okay, favorite meal. All right, so, again, you're going to find me weird. Um, my friend Jan says that I don't really enjoy eating, and I think it's true. I, I'm not really an adventurous eater, but my favorite thing to have at home is fake tuna nichoise. What I'll do is I'll cook up these these pasta noodles that are made out of vegetables mm-hmm. with field greens, and then I, <laughs> I literally put a can of tuna over that, and I have that for a meal. It's one of my – I just had it today, one of my favorite meals, low-cal, healthy. Um, if we're talking desserts, um, I love Ben & Jerry's. Cherry Garcia ice cream, and my other big favorite are just, I make them chocolate chip cookies. I'm a baker, so I bake a lot of stuff. 
Mm. How boring. I love, I love, no, I love anything cherry. So cherry ice cream is actually (laughs) my first choice when Mm. I do eat ice cream. I love cherries. So, yes, yes. Okay, go-to movie when you're feeling sad and blue. Oh, Romeo and Michelle's High School Reunion. Oh, oh, me too. I love that. Oh. <laughs> uh, me too. We're not oh, sad. We're pregnant, you have to movie. <laughs> I know. Oh, yeah. Well, I hope your babies look like monkeys. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the Roman. <laughs> I'm the Mary. That, I'm the Mary. That has a really, a really funny fantasy sequence in it. You know, that whole long, elaborate dream scene. The whole thing is just like, to me, all right, so let me just say this. It's kind of a downer. A movie like that will probably not get made again for a very long time because the business has shifted over to these god-awful, not all of them, like I liked um, Black Panther, but these god-awful movies about superheroes and special effects. It's just... Come on, come on! I think the yeah. a movie like Romeo and Michelle would now be a prime movie. They'd make it for Amazon Prime or maybe for Netflix, probably. Right, yeah. right. And but uh, you know what? It, there's so many remakes of movies, and some are good, some are bad. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if you could really do Romeo and Michelle justice as a remake. Yeah. No, but even that genre of a middle-priced movie with women in the mm-hmm. lead is rare. There's a movie called Troop Zero. It's on Prime Troop Zero. It's really good. I, I would strongly urge it's free, too, if you have Amazon Prime. It's an amazing little story about these kids, these misfits in a small southern town that want to join. It's supposed to be the Scouts, but they call it, I think it's called the Blue something or the Blue Bluebells, maybe. And one of them is a boy, too. And um, they just he's just there. He likes to wear dresses and he likes to bake and things like that. And they let him join. And um, it's all about, um, they want to be part of this. They want to win this prize where they get to record their voices for the first moon launch. Anyway, it's, well, it's, uh, I didn't think I would like it. I resisted it forever. And finally one day I'm like, all right, I've seen everything else. Uh, it was amazing. It's very diverse too. Wonderful, diverse cast. So yay, yay on everything for that. Well, that sounds good. Um, best book you ever read, fiction or nonfiction? Oh, I'll tell you what it is. And guys, I read five books a week. I have a pile of books I just finished. Um, but by bar none, my current favorite is The Stylist by Rosie Nixon, and it's in English. It's from England. Um, this young woman is working in a dress shop in England when this fashionista stylist to the stars, you know, all the award shows shows up, Mona, and she needs an assistant for all the different award shows, you know, flying to, you know, the United States. And this is before, obviously, all this stuff was happening, but um, it's her experiences in dealing with this diva fashionista stylist and all the various people in Hollywood. It's a really wonderful read. If there's a book that I really enjoy and I want to kind of just feel, hmm, you know, good about myself, I'll reread parts of it. And I, I just did that with the stylist today. It just, it's sort of like comfort food, only no calories. <laughs> oh. Right, right. I, I agree. I'm a big reader, although I haven't done it in a while. Um, I absolutely love reading. It's one thing that my father used to tell us all the time as kids. Read a book, read a book, read a book, read a book. And we just, mm-hmm, you know, one mm-hmm. up the other. And then one day in high school, I don't even remember who told me about a book. 
was Jacqueline Suzanne's book. Ah! Uh, yeah. One, one, what was it called? Once something. I can't think once of it right now. Once is not enough. Once, once is not enough. There you go. There you go. And the book was huge. It was like, you know, 600 pages oh, or something. Yeah. yeah. I, I read that book, and that was it for me. I was off and running. Mm. They made that into a movie with, um, oh, what was her name? She's passed away. She was in Lace. Yeah. Oh, come on, Bruce. Oh, man. What was her name? Deborah Raffin. Deborah Raffin. I got it. See? Mm, yeah. My brain still works. I saw that movie, and, you know, I, I have to say, like 99% of the time, the book is always better, but it was enjoyable. Yeah. You know, um, as kids, we didn't have a lot of money. We had five kids. Dad was a college professor. Um, so we went to the library every week, and the limit was seven books. So we always each checked out seven books. And later, my mother, who is the daughter of some famous poets who have long passed, my mother's passed also. My mother became a published author. She's got a fair amount of stuff out there, including a book of short stories. Um, she was a really good writer. My mother, my mother's writing was very dark, though. So a lot like Shirley Jackson, you know, people wouldn't always have a happy ending, and that. <laughs> that was just her thing. Oh wow! <laughs> I like happy endings, and I I hate when <laughs> I read a book and get to the ending and they leave you hanging for two years. I just want to slap uh, somebody. <laughs> do you ever throw a book across the room and you realize how horrible Ooh. it is? Yes. <laughs> yes, I've done, I've done yes. that too. Just the same with movies. I'll start watching a movie and it does something stupid. I'm like, no. I tried to watch Pandemic, I think it was last night, and that has stayed on away in it, too. It's really campy. It's about a virus that infects the United States starting mm-hmm. in Australia. I couldn't watch it. It's, it was, it's actually so uh, – what's the word I'm looking for? Um, it's, it, it foreshadows what's going on here. To, the, uh, yeah, I turned it off. I'm like, no, no, I don't need to see this. No, there's a lot of people that have actually watched that recently, and I can't for the life of me understand how you can watch it when you're in the middle of it. Um, no, I you don't know. know. It does have a happy it. ending, though. They find a cure. Hmm. Well, yeah. Our happy ending good. will be in November, guys, mm-hmm. when we vote yeah. the virus out. All right, no more politics. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, I have one last question. If you could live anywhere in the world, you had gobs and gobs of money with the love of your life, where would it be? Oh, you're going to be so bored with my answers. I'm already living there. I love Southern California. Um, I never want to leave. I came here on vacation, and I literally stayed. Um, Not exactly. I went home and quit my job, and then I moved here. Um, (laughs) It's just... To me, a lifestyle that I didn't – we didn't have a lot of money, so I didn't travel much till I was an adult and I could do it on my own. So I'd never been to California. I'd only been to Florida, which is when you live in Michigan, where you go, right? You drive to mm-hmm. Florida. I came out here, and I'm like ah. – I said to my friend Steve, who was hosting me at the time, I said, is the weather always like this? He goes, yeah. I said, well, how come nobody ever told me about weather like this? You know, because you know, even today we have really great weather. It's just amazing. <laughs> so I hope that answers your question. <laughs> yeah, have to drag you know, me out. I'm, I'm from Chicago, so I, you know, 
cannot stand living here. I would do anything to be able to live in a warm climate. And, of course, California is on that list, but it's so expensive, and nobody wants to move there from my family, so I may have to abandon them. Um. (laughs) (laughs) I, I, I will tell you this. It is expensive. That is true. You trade certain things like Everybody that I know in the Midwest not only has a house that's already paid for, you know, they have a house. What kind of a house do you have, Bruce? I'm like, well, I live like in the equivalent of a two-bedroom, you know, apartment back there, but, uh, but I own it. Well, how much is it worth? I'm like, oh, I don't know, half a million. They're like, you're kidding me. Um, but <laughs> there is something amazing about California during this whole shelter-in-place because we, have, we pay a lot in taxes, right? We have a mm-hmm. lot of money. So a lot of amazing things are happening right now because we have good leadership in this state. They are scrubbing Thank the streets. God. Yeah, we, they're scrubbing the streets. Um, they're scrubbing our sidewalks where I live with, you know, disinfectants. We have free testing. I just I did the testing, the free drive through you know. There's just a lot of stuff available, and we are getting the best information as we shelter in place, at least in Long Beach we are. I, I feel <laughs> it's funny, the mayor sends out these notes. I never really cared for him, but I've changed my mind. He's been very, very uh, prolific in terms of keeping us abreast of what's going on. Yeah, you need that, definitely. Um, oh, we don't I, have basements I've either. Been to California. I've, I've been to California several times because I have relatives that live out there, and, and it is absolutely yeah. amazing. Once you get there, you honestly do not want to leave. Um, I have also been to Florida, but um, Carolyn, I'm sorry, that humidity, I just can't. Um, <laughs> oh, I, I like I Florida didn't. too. I didn't mean to criticize Florida. I hope I didn't anyway. No, no, I just like no, California. It was, it was beautiful. We, you know, the kids had a great time at Disney, of course, and stuff like that. But that humidity, I, I, we thought we had humidity in, in Chicago, but nothing like that. <laughs> So that's what I like but, about California, too, is because it's dry air. The humidity is good for your hair, though. My mother loved Florida. I will say this. <laughs> one thing that's really great about Florida, if you're going to do either Disneyland or Disney World, do Disney World in Florida. It's oh, God, so yeah. much nicer. Uh-huh. Oh, it's huge. Yeah. And it's cleaner, too. Dear Lord, that one. Yeah. Where's, where's Disneyland in Anaheim, right? Yeah. It's oh, dirty. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Nasty. Yeah. Good luck washing well, your well, hands there. Well, I took this little girl that I call my foster daughter there when she was younger. She's <laughs> she's now grown up and married, but um and we literally could not find anywhere to wash our hands. And I even went in and talked to somebody about it. They're, they're, they were so non, non-responsive, and I hadn't thought to bring hand sanitizer. And, of course, we weren't in the middle of what we're in the middle of now. But, no. I, you know, I, I shouldered on because she was having a good time. But, oh, my God, I was like, never again. I'm not going back. No. <laughs> that's a shame because that's what the kids look forward to, especially the people that travel there for vacation. You know, that's on their bucket mm-hmm. list. So, yeah, I have a lot of uh, friends that are moving to Florida, actually, because they say it's affordable, you know, and it's nice. So I, I considered it, but I'm staying, hey, I'm staying in California. Tax-free state. Tax-free state. <laughs> I just moved to Miami, and it was the best thing I ever did. Yeah, that's why. Miami's nice. I love Miami. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
back in the day yeah, when I was younger, well, I would go to the clubs. Mm, totally. Oh yeah. Hey, did you guys did you guys get a chance to see? Um, I'm, I'm just sorry. I'm just talking about movies and things I've been in. Did you get a chance to see Boys Town, the TV series? I saw it's, it um, Boys Town. Yeah. It's it's older. That's a Canadian show. Did you know that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. We we mm-hmm. shot it here in the U.S., but it's Canadian. So I was shooting that at the same time I was shooting Old Dogs. So it was two different uh, realms about West Hollywood, and neither one of them was shot in West Hollywood. <laughs> but yeah. at times, I was telling Leanna, it was a little confusing because the, the characters were different and the genre was different. Uh, Old Dogs is, you know, a slightly different pace, and uh, Boys Town was more. I would say it was more like a soap opera, you know. So. Yeah. There would be an adjustment I'd have to make, and sometimes I'd be a little confused. Oh, what am I doing here? So <laughs> I told I told everybody I was like Heather Locklear when she shot T.J. Hooker in Dynasty at the same time. Oh wow, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, to be well, that busy. That's, that's oh, to be that busy now. It. Yeah, that's it for my question. So go ahead. Thank you very much for for answering, and thank you oh. for being a guest on our show. And Anthony, you go ahead and go on and ask whatever you're going to ask next. Thank you. Well, I wanted to dive into the age thing, and and then I guess wrap up. Um, you know, you're presenting work out there for people that are not the classic 20s and 30s, completely hard body, doesn't have you know a pimple or a wrinkle or um. You know when you're when you're pitching your stuff and when you're getting it, you know when you're getting it out there. What's you know what's your tagline? What's the message you know that you lead with? Well, I try to say that um, people of all ages are are. What did Cher say? She said there's there's three. Oh no, that's a, no, Cher didn't say that. Cher said you have to. Can I swear on this show? <laughs> can I say the F sure, word or no? no. No, no, oh, no, sure. no. You can say the F word. Well, you can say can. the F word instead of saying the word. <laughs> oh, okay. Shara said you have to have F ability in order to keep working, and she's right. If you want to keep getting meaty lead roles, you have to. Somebody has to want you in that way. It was on First Wives Club. Goldie Hawn said there's three roles: babe, district attorney, and driving Miss Daisy. <laughs> <laughs> I think she's right. Or the, what's that song? First you're another slow-eyed vamp, then someone's mother, then your camp. You know that? Remember that song? Mm. Yeah. Barbara. It's it's <laughs> the different phases. Um, I think I'm probably in the district attorney phase. You know. <laughs> I don't want to give any spoilers, but a friend of mine gave me an amazing script for a feature. And um, no, he wants to play himself in it. It's about his story. But if I produce it, I would like to play that role. And it's it's perfect for me. It's the right age. It's another one of those films about a man of a certain age who's finding himself. And I don't know if anything's going to come of it. I don't want to actually even give any more details. But that would be incredible. To, in answer to your question, when I'm putting myself out there for auditions, it's pretty much looking at the breakdowns and saying, well, what do I think – I can get cast in, um, or if it's my agent, oh, my poor agent, sometimes I think he thinks I'm younger than I am. He'll submit me for a lot of different things, bless his heart. I just actually auditioned for NCIS the other day, 
um, by, by video. Um, but if it's my own projects, you know, I can do whatever I want. <laughs> so I just try to look for things that are appealing to me, but might also be appealing to a, a, a paying audience, if that makes sense. Gotcha. Well, I want to say thank you so much for coming on as Pam did. And we were very, very, very thrilled that you are doing the stuff that you're doing for, you know, I'm not quite where you are, but I am right behind you. I graduated high school a couple of years after you. Um, and, <laughs> you know, <laughs> for a very long time, you've been part of content that I really enjoy. I, I actually forgot that you were in Boys Town. I didn't see the whole series. Um, yeah. but, uh, I, I very much, <laughs> I very much enjoyed that too. Um, so thank I, you, you know, so much I, for coming on. Thank I'm you sorry. for having me on. This is an absolute pleasure. Yeah. Uh, we enjoyed it. When you have, when you have another project or dare I say your version of sub Liberty, please come back <laughs> and I will definitely be sending you some emails with that information and, and, uh, please. maybe, Maybe we'll actually get a, a um, improv of you and uh, Leon as Nathan and Nelson. <laughs> Maybe we'll see. Yeah, this is fun, guys. Thank you so much for making time for me today. I really appreciate it. Have a great are evening, Caroline. Are you on Facebook, Bruce? Oh my God! I forgot yeah, to do I'm that. On, I'm Tell on everybody where Facebook they can find you. Oh sure, you can find me everywhere, any street corner. On Facebook, it's Bruce Hart. <laughs> I have two pages. I have my friend's page where I post stupid things about uh, 70s TV movies, and I also have a, a showbiz page. Um, and then on uh, Instagram, I'm Bruce385, and that's mostly showbiz photos for the most part. I just post every event I've ever gone to. It's just fun. And then finally, Twitter, I'm Bruce Hart, and my, my handle says I, I'm not gay. I was just born this way or some, one of those things. I don't remember exactly. It's a little black square, not my face. I am the most political on Twitter. So, oh, if yes, you don't... I know, I know. I, I If you don't want to see the political stuff, don't follow me on Twitter. But um, okay. until something changes, I, I feel that it's important to do that. Vote blue. Vote blue. Oh. <laughs> no matter who. All right, guys, thank you so much, and have a wonderful day, and I so appreciate the time today. Me too. Absolutely. Have a great day. And guys, Bye, guys, out there listening, gals and everybody, thanks for paying, coming to our special edition of Take Two Radio. Pam, thanks for calling in. David and Carolyn, thanks for joining me. You will see us here again next week. Have a great evening, everyone. You too. That was Talk fun. To you later. That was fun. <laughs>